0: Hello, and welcome to Building High Performance Cultures, a weekly series where we talk to executives from top organizations about how they built high performance cultures and how they're leveraging their culture as competitive advantage. I'm Marty Parker, the President and Chief Executive Officer of Waterstone Hume Capital. And my guest today is the Chairman, CEO and Managing Partner of the Oppenheimer Group, otherwise known as Oppie, John Anderson. Welcome, John.
1: Thank you, Marty. Nice to be here.
0: Nice to have you here. Now, a little bit about John. John is the 2017 winner of our Canada's Most Admired CEO, the, the CEO program in the enterprise category. And Oppie, uh, the organization that he leads, is a two-time Canada's Most Admired Corporate Cultures winner. And most recently, this past year in 2019. And so, John, maybe we'll start with having you take us back a little bit uh, and tell us a little bit for those who may not be familiar with Oppie about the business, who they are, and maybe a little bit, to start us off about the culture that you and the team have built there over the years.
1: Sure, yeah. Um, so Opi uh, is the oldest uh, uh, operating company in the province of BC at 162 years old. So been around a long time, but having said that, when I joined the organization now uh, 45 years ago, um, it was one office uh, with about $7 million in sales and, and uh, just a little bit in produce, it was mainly in, in grocery. So when about developing, uh, you know, uh, we're now in 27 countries around the world, from, from a sourcing point of view, and I have over 1,100 customers that we sell to in both Canada, the United States, uh, Europe, and Asia. and uh, so, so quite a global company, a little over $1.1 billion in sales. And we kind of look at it like we, as of today, feed about four and a half billion servings of fresh fruit and produce around the world. So a pretty good chunk of the world eats our product on, a, uh, on a, an annualized basis. So yeah, I mean, in doing that, you know, I started, uh, Marty, in in, in the very bottom of the organization, uh, unloading trucks and 100 pound sacks of potatoes and, and uh, believe it or not, salt, 50 pound sacks of salt. Um, Back in those days, I was actually in pretty good shape compared to today. I think I'd struggle to do that. But what it did, it allowed me to really recognize how critically important each job in the organization was and how that through, uh, as I worked my way through the process, how critically important um, developing a culture that kind of matched up with what you thought the organization should be, because you can either develop one or it gets developed for you. Right. And so therefore, I went along a path of, of uh, actually going around to all our people and, and talking about what kind of a culture do we want in the organization? And then developing those attributes and those definitions of that culture and then putting those in, into place. And so that took, you know, that started in the, in the early 90s, I would say. And back in those days, I remember, if you did a survey of how important culture was to your organization's success, you would have got 92% of the CEOs saying irrelevant, didn't matter. To today, where they probably say 98% of those CEOs would say it's absolutely critical to your organization mm-hmm. going forward. So it's then again the kind of organization you want to have. Um, we're an entrepreneurial organization. Um, we have to be. Uh, you have to be uh, sustainable in terms of you know growing products from all around the world, and so you need to be nimble and you need to be quick and you need to be uh, really good at nurturing resilience and innovation and collaboration and having the speed of communication with transparency is all stuff we've had to develop to get to where we are today.
0: Has that culture changed much since those early days of that kind of deliberate planning of this is what we're going to do?
1: You know, that's a really interesting question, Marty, because when I went around uh, to the offices and to the people and talked about the kind of culture that we wanted to have, everybody had had an opinion. I clearly knew what we wanted, but I wanted to make sure everybody was included and could help fine tune it. And what they said to me back then was the kind of culture that they felt we had then, the concern they had is as our business got bigger, that we would lose that culture and it would change and morph into something that wasn't really all that. Great. I have to tell you that, and part of that was really a family type business, right? And caring for people and people having a voice and people being included in the processes and all those things. I I would say the culture today after all these years, you know, 20 some odd years, almost 30 years of developing this thing is better than it was when we first started it.
0: Wow. So, so on that, what, why is it better? What has made it better than, than when you first started?
1: You know what, I think there's, there's a couple of things that we did in the nineties that I thought were game changers and um, we still use it today. There was a um, I recognized I had a strategic planning process I put in place. And of course I, I had brought into the strategic planning our, our senior senior leaders. And so I would go out of those planning sessions and then rely on the senior leaders to then spread the word. And I figured out pretty quickly that they only spread the word where they wanted to spread the word and where they didn't wanna spread the word and keep themselves in power, they held it to themselves. And so I thought, this is not working very well. So I said to the team, um, I set them all down and I said, guys, I'm not impressed with what I see happening. We've got a great strategic planning process here, but for some reason, it's not getting through to our people. So I said, I'm gonna develop a group of people and I'm gonna call them the champions of change. And they're gonna be in every department in this organization, and they're not gonna be management. And they're going to report directly to me. And they're gonna be worked through our HR department and we're gonna ask them questions and they're gonna bring those questions directly up to the top. And then I'm gonna have information I want and I'm gonna give it directly down to them to to disseminate it to the people. You're not gonna be excluded from this process, you're gonna be part of it, you're gonna see it all, I'm not hiding anything, but I want you to know, it's gonna be transparent all the way through. And that's what we developed back then and I gotta say that's probably one of the highlights that our employees say they have every year is that that process that we go through.
0: And you continue to use it today?
1: Absolutely, yeah
0: as champions of change. So you've made the kind of process of kind of disseminating and receiving information transparent. Yes. And not necessarily filtered (laughs) in other ways.
1: Correct, yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, We get, um, the last survey last year, we had uh, uh, 200 pages of comments in addition to the survey that was answered. And I didn't get to see those comments or have any information on them until after the Champions of Change group, there's about 23 of them, had already viewed and gone through and then they'd break it down and give it to me and uh, here's what we think we see in this. And then we go through it. And then we invite these the two of these people from this group to go to our strategic planning sessions and deliver that information to that group. So it's a piece of what goes into our planning session. So then our employees see that they're they've been listened to and they actually see the comments entering into the strategic plan and being active on.
0: John, you know, if I'm, uh, you know, if I'm, if we reverse roles for a second and I'm no longer interviewing people for a living, but I'm a candidate to come and join your organization. And, and I'm really trying to, you know, I've already decided I'm going to, I'm going to get involved. Uh, The offer's been made, it's been accepted. And I'm saying, Hey, John, I'm uh, going to join the organization on Monday. What is the kind of brand I'm going to experience and live? And, and how am I gonna see that? How would you answer that question?
1: So one of the things that we have at OPI that we rally ourselves around is it's a phrase called expect the world from us. Right. And so what we hope you see when you come in here is that that is going to be enacted two ways. One in how we operate our business. Like we, we, we bring product from all around the world to other places all around the world. It's also gonna be what you experience when you interact with other people inside OPI. And how we expect that you'll interact with the, our customer base. So that's sort of a rallying cry around what we expect from you and what you expect from us. And so I would hope you see that right away. And we we set people up with um, mentors, um, you know, to make sure that they uh, have a way to navigate their way through that. Because getting on up we have videos we go through, we have materials we go through, you know, on Oppe and on our culture and how we expect to operate. But then again, you know, you just don't wanna leave somebody at that point, so there's gonna be a journey for you probably that extends a year, because we kind of think it takes a year for someone joining our organization to kind of figure out all the things we do, how we do them, and why
0: we do them. Do you get much feedback from, let's call them new hires, I don't know in a year after they joined mm-hmm. if they'd be considered new hires, but your onboarding program literally goes a year, if not longer. What kind of feedback do you get from people about that?
1: You know what, um, the feedback we get is actually, um, Um, an element of uh, surprise. And the fact that, you know, you actually do what you say you're gonna do. And we feel that the culture that you guys have on paper here is really the culture here. And they feel the warmth. I see all kinds of emails on a regular basis going back. I can't believe the support that I've gotten since I joined the organization. It's fantastic. Everybody makes me feel welcome. Everybody's out to try to help me. So that's the feedback I get, which makes me feel good. And I always make a point when I go around to the office tours to kind of just, you know, when we're having dinner with people after a drink or two, just kind of go to the people I know are new and say, so how, uh, how was your experience by the way? Because that's an unfiltered, like, Hmm, that's usually when you get the truth. Right. Right. (laughs) So yeah, we kind of, we have that process. And then of course, you know, you see the, you see the results every year in your survey as to how people are feeling about the culture.
0: Right. Now, John, I know, you know, onboarding recruiting has been a a big it has to be important when you go from $7 million to well over a billion dollars. But last year you rebranded your HR department and team to call it talent and culture. So why was this important and how was the decision made? And I shouldn't ask too many questions at once. That's against my professional guidelines, <laughs> but, but how, what's the impact been?
1: Yeah. You know what? Um, so we looked at it and we said, okay, talent, and the HR department, what we call it human resources in the past, the talent we bring into our organization. What we measured it by basically to start with was how do they fit our culture before we hired them? And how are they gonna fit into our culture going forward? And so I said, you know, if this is the way, this is what's happening here, then they need to be responsible then, yes, as sort of guardians of that culture. In addition to the, obviously I have that responsibility as CEO, but I wanna make sure that they are really being responsible for the culture of the organization so we put the two of those together and basically i think was really well received from people who are coming into the organization the hits we've gotten on our websites we redid the website on it both internally and externally have been monumentous compared to what hits we used to get of it so it just kind of says to you what is your organization like what do you guys think and you obviously tie the two of those together
0: sounds like there's a lot of listening going on at OPI in terms of what people think and how they feel.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and I think that's something I learned, um, you know, being working from, from the ground up was that everybody along the way, whether you think it or not has an opinion and usually they're better at their job and what they're doing than, than you are. And so if you if you want to be successful, you need to listen to whatever roadblocks you might be putting in place that you're not aware of so that they can do give them the tools to do their job better that's what it's all about yeah
0: john when you're looking i mean you talked about nimble entrepreneurial warmth uh there's still a family feel there i've been there i feel it from the moment you walk in you you know if you didn't know if you just got there to know anything about the business you wouldn't say this is a billion dollar global enterprise don't take that the wrong way but you wouldn't, you wouldn't know that so how do you filter that How do you, how do you recruit for that? I mean, we, we tend to, you know, love to say we recruit for fit. We help organizations Hmm. do it. We think we do it pretty well, but yeah, it's not always that easy. Uh, And what do you do to ensure that you make that onboarding process a good one by finding the right people?
1: Yeah. You know, I I think that what we do is we just don't have like the HR do the interview or what you would call talent culture do the interview. There's a team developed. And so whatever department those people are going to go into, the team of they say four or five people that might be interfacing with that candidate is also part of the process, not initially, but later on. And so before the person is selected, that person also gets to see who they're going to be working with and the type of people they're going to be working with. And then the people that are working with that person say, yeah, I think this person's a fit, or I don't think this person's a fit. And that they're going to be, okay, they're part of the process of learning, they're also going to want to make that person successful.
0: Interesting. So it's really that cross-functional cross-level team that kind of makes that decision. And and you said something that they tend to be the ones who want to make that, you know, that person successful. Do you actually see that um, commitment and buy-in once that person's joined?
1: Yeah, in two ways. One, uh, if they get in there and, and they want to make them successful, but you know, if they feel they've made a mistake, Mm. and it doesn't fit, that comes up pretty quick too because they don't want to put too much egg on their face for too long.
0: As you look into the future, um, what do you see is critical to aligning your people to your culture and attracting the talent you need to continue to have the high-performance culture you do at John?
1: You know, to be honest, you need to be honest with your people to let them know where you're at and be collaborative with their leaders and clear on com- having a compelling vision for the future. Like where are we going together once there's a common understanding then you need to have a roadmap created focusing on just a few things that matter the most like shared shared direction and vision and then you also need to make sure that everybody recognizes how important all the people and all the jobs in your organization are to your success and that's no there's no clearer time than today to look at that and say the people you didn't think were really all that important are the most important people we need today they might be a grocery clerk they might be the guy picking in the warehouse or picking in the fields otherwise you're not eating
0: yeah, I think we've all learned that the ch- you know that how does that become that's a lot different from a seven million dollar organization to an over billion you know largely maybe America's or even domestic at that time to now a global organization, how do you ensure that a lot of the sharing, the recognition, the sharing of the vision and and the values, how does how do you make sure that's that's not you know broken telephone in such a big organization?
1: Yeah, you know that's something you got to work on all the time. You can't ever take it for granted and and you have to make sure you have the open communication with the people throughout and constantly getting the information. So what we do on a we have our monthly uh, sales or management meetings all the minutes from those meetings go to all the staff. Hmm. So, and, and they, they, get feedback on how we're doing, what the issues are and where the company's going and, and kind of, and the same thing happens when we do a, a strat plan. It's, it's, it's out to all the people. I travel around to every office. I deliver it myself personally. I spend some time one-on-one with them, you know, in a social environment after. So we're constantly working on you know, the people having that feeling and understanding. And if, if there were, if you didn't do that, I think there's a very, very strong chance it would be a difficult time to keep that together as you, as we grew like we did. This is so many different areas, but every time I would hear from these people, and this was really something that was scary, but also good. Um, hey, I went to the other office and I thought I was talking to another John Anderson. So th- those are critical pieces. I didn't wanna be exactly like me, but they were singing the culture. They were saying, this is the way we do things here, and we're proud to do it. The single thing we get the highest recognition for every year on our, our our survey is proud to work at OPI. Pride. Yeah. The pride is there. The individual pride.
0: Fantastic. John, you've been, I can say personally, and I know many others. And in fact, I do, where you are open source code, whether it's on your compensation systems, on your recognition and reward systems on just about anything you've done, not to mention your own experience in this business or others, cause you are in others. Yes, um, yeah. But let me ask you, if, if you're speaking to a, an entrepreneur or a young professional manager who's running that $7 million company today, who says, you know what? I want to build a billion dollar enterprise. And I want to make it high. I want to have a high performance culture. You know, what's the one or two pieces of advice that you'd give that young woman or young man uh, who, uh, you know, who, who wants that kind of help?
1: Yeah, you know what? The critical piece right out of the way is you need to have a vision. You need to know where you want to get to go. And you need to be passionate, extremely passionate about what you're going to do. Because you're going to run into all kinds of negative roadblocks that you haven't even thought about yet. And they're going to come up in front of you and you're going to kind of go, well, I didn't expect that. Oh yeah. Uh yeah. And it's gonna be so it's gonna be a roller coaster ride and there's gonna be a lot of times you might self-doubt yourself. My recommendation there is to try to get some outside consultation help to make sure that you understand and feel that you're still going in the right direction when sometimes internally people might tell you the opposite, um, just because they're stand trying to stand in your way. So I think collaboration with everybody is critical. Um vision is critical passion is critical and determination and you know what energy you've got to have a lot of energy that's critical really? to be able to make it
0: well you talked about mentorship as well and i know oh, you've been a, yeah. you've been a mentor um to many uh, i would say including uh, myself but again um the, the shared values purpose passion vision mentorship a lot of communication and listening, and of course, your mentorship goes on with multiple people up until kind of a year, if not further. That's that's an incredible incredible commitment to, to to bringing people on board. Most organizations, uh, you know, would would probably say, okay, they're off and running. We're at sixty days, ninety days, whatever it is. They've made it past the hurdle, and now they're you know turning the corner and into the race. So that's that's pretty exceptional. Um, John, if you look, last question for you, if you look into the future, um, what do you think uh, is going to be the number one determinant of OPI's success from the billion dollars they are today to whatever we're going to be talking about five, seven, nine, 10 years from now? What's going to be the number one driver that will get them there?
1: So my opinion, I've said to the crew, I've said one of the things we want to do is we want to simplify our business, we want to adapt to the future, and then we want to look for opportunity. And adaptation is, I think, one of the biggest things we're going to have to face in the next little while as this world's changing at such a rapid rate. I don't believe it's the smartest companies that survive the longest. I think it's the ones that are the most adaptable. And so therefore I think that's a major critical piece of your culture going forward. You have to have somebody that wants to adapt and change and and you know grasps and with open arms change.
0: Because well, let it's me tell you like they're not. This is a message we all need to hear because I think we're being we're all being forced to, to one degree or another, whether it's just in terms of how we're working, let alone what we're doing, to adapt right now. And it's it, it is a challenge. Um, not just in terms of having the passion and energy and drive to get through it, but the fortitude and grit to keep to it or to keep adapting. So, uh, John, thank you. This has been fantastic. Uh, we appreciate all the time that not only do you give to, uh, to our viewers and listeners here, but that you've given to Canada's most admired and anyone who just asked for your help. So thanks again to our guest, John Anderson of the Oppenheimer group.
1: Thank you, Marty. Pleasure to be with you today. Uh, be safe
0: pleasure has been ours and join us next week for another episode of building high performance cultures in the meantime if you learn want to learn more about the topic please visit waterstonehc.com thank you